You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This is Inside Purple and Gold. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani alongside Tom Schreier. Tom, we are maybe the worst podcast hosts (laughs) in the history of the planet because the Vikings pulled off the greatest comeback of all time on Saturday. And it is now Tuesday night and we are recording to talk about it. We just lost track of time. That, That game, it seemed like everything kind of stood still that day. Um, you kind of had a hangover into sa- Sunday, Monday, because I, I mean, at least me personally, couldn't even process that what had actually happened Saturday afternoon. Um, but now we here we are talking about it Tuesday night. It still feels unbelievable. Yeah. Um, three days later. Um, just what do you remember from that game? What, what What's going to stand with yeah. you for the, for the rest of your life? Because it, that's a game that we're going to remember forever. Like three days later, what sticks out to you? like a yeah. singular moment that sticks out to you from, from yeah that. so i probably shouldn't admit this but when i was younger i was a little reckless and split my head open and they're like you can super glue it like this is what they did in the war i guess and i didn't want to like pay for an ambulance so when <laughs> dalvin cook like goes on the screen pass right and i'm like oh my god they're actually gonna do this i kind of i kind of like lean back in my chair and hit my head right on that spot oh my god. like <laughs> right when that happens so like Think of how we're going through this, right? Like, you know, in the first half, people are texting me. They're like, are you at this game? And I was like, well, right now I am. I may I may depart from the stadium. I don't need to see the Dallas game against the Colts. Right. Um, but uh, um, and then, you know, kind of this like kind of going through the mindset of like, do I have to write about like the officiating, for example, because like the game itself is an interesting at what point do the Vikings score enough to make it interesting? At what point do they actually threaten the lead? There's the Frank Reich angle of like, you know, like, you know, he came back from 32 points. I somehow I remember this as a kid, and this is obviously before I was born that this game took place. But 83, Bills playing the Oilers. uh, The Bills are down so much that their fans, very loyal fans, are leaving the stadium. And I was talking to Caller about this, who started his career in uh, in Buffalo, and he goes, "To be fair, it's freezing in that stadium, which it is." Um, But I. um but yeah like they wouldn't let him back in and i thought it was interesting that dalvin cook after the game said i really appreciate everyone for staying and i was like i don't think anyone was going to leave but people might have started if it really came apart which it looked like it might in the third so it's just like i'm processing all that while my head is throbbing while i enter a locker room that's like full of booming music (laughs) 
<laughs> so not to make this about me, but I was like, literally, I remember talking to you and I was like, are we, we need to either record immediately after we get out of the locker room and we're just going to process this whole thing in real time. Or I need time to like, think about this. Cause I kind of knew the story angle I was going to go. I kind of talked about how the players individually felt doubted and collectively feel like they can kind of accomplish something here. Um, mm -hmm. But I was like, I was hyper-focused cause I was like, you could go with the Shannon Sullivan you know, ref route, you could go with like, what the hell happened in the first half or whatever. And so for me, I just made it as simple as possible. Here's a group of guys you can talk about undrafted Thielen and cook dropped to the second round. And Justin Jefferson, obviously an accomplished player, but I think out of high school, wasn't very well recruited. Like any of these guys could find a point where someone doubted them. Right. And they've used that to kind of fuel this fire that, you know, mm -hmm. like now you all doubt us. We're the Vikings with a plus two point differential that went down 33 points to the Colts. Like, God forbid anyone doubts this team. But, 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 uh, but yeah, kind of, you know, so I focus on one thing, but there's so many things to process in this whole game. So I just tweeted it out because the Vikings, like me and you have talked about this before, they do a really good job with their on field access thing. And like, yeah, it's yeah. funny because those videos are like obviously like inherently way cooler when they win. Yeah. I think after they lost to the, the lions it was like a very lame like we'll get them next time with like three yeah, yeah, clips yeah. but this video is nine minutes long it was just documenting the comeback and i just sent out a tweet earlier today like you could feel it inside u.s bank stadium mm -hmm. when justin jefferson scored to cut it to 15 and then you could like there was a clip on the sideline of christian derasaw saying like this isn't over yeah. come on let's go when was the moment for you that it felt real? Because I'll even say, like, honestly, I looked up at Collar. Because, yeah. like, Collar's just getting a shout-out in this podcast. But yeah, I looked yeah. up at Collar after CJ Ham scored and cut it to 22. And I said, this thing's going to be close. I don't know if they can do it, but I think it's going to be close. And he said, I don't know. I, I just and, – and then, obviously, like, when, when Justin Jefferson scored, it was 15 points, and it was like, okay, this is a real football game again. Yeah. When, when did it feel real to you that the, the comeback, as crazy as it seemed, was, was potentially possible? Yeah, and like I said, I almost have to, like, pull up a log of everything that happened here because <laughs> it's so funny. I know CJ Ham scored, and I was like, how the hell did that happen? Like, you know what I mean? There's just, like, there's, like, 100 different events. If you think about it, the team scored over a point a minute. I understand it's not basketball. Like, that's not really how that works. But, like, it is, it's very funny when Patrick Peterson, like, walks in the locker room at halftime. He's like, all we need is five touchdowns. <laughs> and you're like, well, yeah, but that's, like, universally true. Like, if you if you can score five touchdowns in any second half, you're going to win the game or whatever. Usually, yeah. Usually that doesn't happen. I, I think I go with the Justin Jefferson one. There's like little subtle things. I think he did it against the Jets too. Like I think it's actually Peterson himself has said that like his body kind of lies to the, the corners, right? And the corners have to base it off of just sight and reaction. And there's just like part of me goes like, how is it that other receivers can't do this? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's kind of head fakes and like, but it, it, there is something about how he kind of contorts himself. And I was like, when he ran that route and there's just always this thing, it goes back to the Buffalo game, which I'd argue is actually a better game. Although like not as dramatic of a comeback somehow, right. but uh, you know, like when Jefferson makes that catch in that game, right. And then follows up with another ridiculous catch. You're like, well, nothing's impossible. If you have a guy who like has somehow broken football, you know what I mean? And right. like, I was like, yeah, that's right. They have him. And I think it's kind of cool that again, cook had a moment. You can go back to like Greg Joseph, who's, who's reasonably so been hounded all year moved, I think from the middle to the left hash and is in trouble with extra points of all things. And like 50 yard field goals. And 
the fact that he delivered repeatedly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and set himself up for, for a game-winning field goal. The fact that, like, until the bitter end, until literally, like, the time runs out, it could have been disappointing. Um, but there was something about it, even just texting with, you know, friends and stuff. I was like, honestly, I think the Colts are terrible, and I think the Vikings can do this. And I think I became convinced of that when I saw Justin Jefferson make that move. Yeah, and and, and it just, like, that makes sense, right? Because he scored early in the fourth quarter. And then at that point you're like, okay, it's just two touchdowns. And I remember the last time I, I, I was watching the, 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 the primetime game with Dallas and, and Indianapolis two and a half weeks ago where Indianapolis was in the game and then Dallas scored 33 points in the fourth quarter. So I think I even fired off a tweet on Saturday. Like this is the same Colts team that got blanked 33 to zero in the fourth quarter two weeks ago. Um, yeah. And then obviously they got blank 22 to zero on Saturday as the Vikings pulled off the, the most miraculous comeback since 28, three who Matt Ryan was also the quarterback of that 28, three collapse um, with the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl, obviously to Tom Brady and the new England Patriots um, poor guy, Matt Ryan, he'll, he'll never live that, that stuff down. It's, it's very funny that like one of the most steady players, I think in the league, right. He was never like, I mean, maybe when he was younger, he was like spectacular, but I never remember him being like spectacular. It was always like, you can rely on Matt Ryan, right. right? right. Um, kind of an older version of Kirk cousins, maybe, you know, but like he, you know, it's one thing for like prime Matt Ryan. I remember this just cause my cousin was born in Georgia and he's a, he's a Falcons fan and like him, you know, like celebrating us at 28, three. And then every other member of my family just being a complete jerk to him. <laughs> but, but, you know, I think this to me was more like there was some underlying, right. As much as we look with the Vikings and are concerned about underlying numbers, like the fact that I think it was like Chip Scoggins tweeted this out, like, when they were up 30 to zero, so this isn't quite the end of the half. Um, I think they had 144 yards of offense and one touchdown. And I think the Vikings defense, this ridiculous defense held them to one touchdown. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're like, this is more like the special teams breakdown, which is actually concerning given this is two bad special teams games right. after a really strong performance early in the season. Um it, I understand the officiating thing. I actually think be, like it sounds ridiculous, but given how much the Vikings have tempted fate, they're actually kind of playing into the the thing you're not supposed to, where it's like, don't let the officials screw with you. And like somehow forward progress <laughs> shows up in it, you know, whatever. I mean, there's just so many. And, and even if you look at like how, how the game ends, like they were imperfect, right? Rager was not on the same page with cousins after the touchdown to go 36, 36 and went Colts punt Vikings punt, end of half punt punt field goal. I think I had that right. Like Mm -hmm. it was just, you know, yeah, it's such a funny, like this game fit this season perfectly. I thought the Jets game was a microcosm of the Viking season. This felt like, oh yeah. It's like, if you're running the script, it's like when, you know, which episode are they going to play the ridiculous game in? And you're like, man, this is such a ridiculous, perfect Vikings comeback in the sense that the Colts were just bad. The Vikings were imperfect and somehow they made history. Tom, you touched on the Chandon Sullivan referees debacle. Like, I'm hesitant to blame anything on refs because it just seems like such a cop out. Yeah. But that 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 game, the way it was officiated, it's as egregious as I've ever seen in an NFL on an NFL field on a Sunday, Saturday, Thursday, Monday, whatever yeah. you want to say. Um, I don't think the refs were the reason the Vikings would have lost the football game because, no. because 
that first half was as bad of a half of football as I've ever seen. But like, it can't be like we can't just ignore the fact that the, the forward progress play in the first half, when Shannon Sullivan makes a great play on Michael Pittman Jr. to strip the ball, returns it. I think it was like 38 yards for a touchdown. Look, that happens sometimes in in football. Referee gets too quick with his whistle. Yeah. Forward progress play gets called in. Obviously, that's not reviewable. The second one, though, that was horrible. <laughs> on the replay, I, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. He is literally still standing up, and the referee blows the whistle down. Shannon Sullivan obviously picks up the ball, runs it the other way, scores his second defensive touchdown of the game. That's then again taken away. Yeah. Then he freaks out, loses his mind, throws his helmet, gets, yeah. gets a unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Put you know sets the Vikings back. They end up, I think, throwing a pick on that drive. I'm not sure. Um, but well, like just overall, your thoughts on on the officiating? Um, obviously, it can't be yeah. the reason they almost lost the game. But at the same time, it kind of was. It's, I mean, there's been a lot of ridiculous stuff because I was thinking about kind of writing on this. So I've kind of gathered stuff, right? You could go back to Cam Bynum hit a ref in uh, yeah. Washington. And yeah. like, and again, like there is a bit of like the, the ref does occupy space. Obviously they're, they're trained in a way to, to minimize the impact of the players, but like Taylor Heineke of all people throws a bomb and scores because poor Cam Bynum runs into a referee. Um, you could go a week ago, right? That Justin Jefferson could have scored a touchdown. And I think had like 256 yards or something like that. Mm-hmm. It steps out of bounds. And I think the frustration is like, there are things that look really simple, but it's because you're seeing a replay in slow motion. Right. And I think my belief is that the purpose of replay is to catch the most obvious things and reverse them. Right. The second part of it is to allow you to play a game and then go make a correction, right? Mm-hmm. So meaning wait on the out of bounds call, wait on the forward progress call. I actually, I, I still don't know how the the second Sullivan run back or what, I don't know how we were talking about that. Like how that happens, even like Jalen Rager for a guy who like, who's having this pretty tough game as a receiver. And we had talked about because of his like first round talent, like could he kind of get in the mix? And by the end, I think Jalen Naylor was actually taking his reps, yeah. right? Um, you could, um, I mean, yeah, it was just, it was just like, it was like, how does this happen again? How does, how does a ridiculous forward progress thing happen twice? How does a just swallow the whistle thing happen twice? Um, I understand it's a tough job. It's in the heat of battle. It's really easy for us to see a replay. Um, having said this, I think my conclusion on this is if the Vikings are going to continue to win with this small margin, you are, you are tempting fate. That's something that they can't control. That is literally just a random event is going to hurt them. And that could be officials calling this. And this is why, you know, typically these star studded teams are built to win by more than like two points a game or whatever. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Like if you play as bad as you did for one full half against a team that is as bad as the Colts, you leave yourself susceptible to shoddy officiating yeah. costing you a game. Before we break, Tom, like I want to ask though, like the team is incredibly lucky. Yeah. <laughs> There's no doubt about yeah. it. The Vikings are are I think I think Kevin Seifert from ESPN tweeted out like mm-hmm. someone does like a lu- luckiest team in the NFL breakdown. I think the Vikings are two. Um, I think for the for for what it's worth, I think the Niners are three. So it's not like interesting. Okay, like bad teams. It's good teams get lucky, which, which yeah. makes sense, right? Because they are 
good because they have a, a strong record. But the Vikings are a lucky team. People that talk about the horseshoe, obviously the Case Keenum year when they went 13 and three, like that felt like mm-hmm. as lucky as it can be. And then eventually the luck ran out. Yeah. Like at what point, Tom, do you just think like, do you just throw your hands up and be like, because I think the thought is like, if they continue to do this, their luck's going to run out at mm-hmm. some point. That's... Well, at what point do you just throw your hands up and say like, maybe it won't because yeah, this, I, yeah. this season is insane. No, I mean the, the, um, to be fair, so like throughout the game, any game, I'm processing like, what am I going to write, right? Trying to get ahead of it. And one of them literally was like, did they just run out of luck here? Like, again, there's some fault of their own. You can't have a punt blocked. You can't. I mean, I don't know what I know. Right. is not a, a quarterback, but he like threw into coverage, <laughs> you know, like um, uh, even the regular thing. I go back and forth because, I, man, I kind of want to see him integrated in the offense. Having said that, like throwing him to him twice you know what i mean like he's not ever your primary target you know like you are kind of tempting fate in some ways throwing to this guy especially when like west phillips was saying during one of these weeks like regger's a really talented guy he's missing some stuff with the practice or whatever in terms of like will it catch up to him i mean it inevitably will i don't know when and like you know we'll get in the Giants game later but like this is an interesting test because their front four is good and we know that the vikings have had a little bit of trouble with teams from that division you know with good yeah. front fours um i mean it could look really ugly in like a green bay i don't know if you can win like this in land but i know i know like how bad the packers have been they're starting to get things together i don't think it's enough like this late but like rogers has connections with his young receivers like i don't know if joe barry's ever gonna improve but there's talent on the defense you know what i mean that like there's elements of like a uh-oh game there and then Chicago always seems to do something ridiculous. So um, there's three games where luck could kind of catch up with them. Having said that, like there is some merit to what they're doing. Like they are a talented team. There is money invested a hundred million in the offense, 70 million in the defense. And like, there is something to O'Connell's methods. Like it's hard not to watch his speech and be like, you know, I think he has does actually like his players a lot. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he can fake what he's doing on the camera there. Um, Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of waiting for the shoe to drop. And having said that, like, unfortunately, because it's three easier teams, right. You're like the luck could just run out against the Niners. You know what I mean? Or yeah, something like that. Exactly. In the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, obviously the comeback is one thing, but like, let's dig in more into the first half. Um, the things that went wrong, the things that are going to be, to be like drastically approved upon. I know Kevin O'Connell talked to the media yesterday on, on Monday and, and basically said like, as you process things in, in real time, they don't necessarily hit, but when you go back and watch the film, like he was more focused on what went wrong than on the comeback itself um, 48 hours later. So me and Tom will kind of break that down when we come back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani alongside Tom Schreier. We are breaking down the greatest comeback of all time three days later. (laughs) Tom and I were just talking off the screen. Like This game breaks our brain. I think it breaks everyone's brain a little bit. And honestly, like if you've listened to a podcast about this game, which if you're a Vikings fan and you follow us and you, and you listen to podcasts, you probably already have, this is probably worth listening to anyway, because three days later, like your brain's probably just fixing itself. And you probably want to talk about what, or listen to what, what the hell happened on Saturday afternoon at us bank stadium. We dug into the comeback itself in segment one, but the reason for the comeback was because they were down 33 to zero at halftime. And Tom, you kind of touched on this, but like it was a classic case of like what can go wrong did go wrong in the first half. Like if you were to invent in a lab, like a game script that like, how are the Vikings going to possibly lose the Colts? You would say Kirk throws a pick six, some sort of wacky special teams touchdown and the Vikings offense just goes to sleep for 30 minutes. And all of that happened in unison as the Vikings yes. just fell off a cliff for 30 minutes and, and trailed 33 to zero. Kirk Cousins taking a knee to get into halftime, I think was a very like poetic scene. As yes. like, he lines up to take a knee, US Bank Stadium just Boo. crushes them yep. with booze, and the Vikings trot off the field down 33 nothing. Um, but that's not going to work. Like, obviously, like, obviously, yeah. and I'm not breaking any news here, but like this team, while winning on the margins and playing in close games and, and all of that is necessary. And I think could help them like their, their, com- their level of comfort in close games could help them come to playoffs. Like, like that is an inexcusable half of football and obviously they need to fix it. They just, it, you can't continue to, to play like this for prolonged stretches and expect to contend at a high level. This was a good example of it all happening at once, but I think we've seen throughout the season, like they've had stretches where it's like, this team is not very good. Um, and then they obviously bounce back with, with a very good performance at some point l- later in the game. Yeah. But you're searching for consistency with this team and, and, and we still haven't seen it. Yeah, I mean, let's start here. Joseph kicks off. And Flowers, their guy, returns it to the 48 for 49 yards. Like that that's the thing, is like even just starting out there, such a Viking sequence. Like the the special team somehow that is fine is falling apart. The defense held them to a field goal. Um, the response, and again, I have to like look because it's it's the block punt. So again, special yeah, teams like three down. and out and then a block punt return. So then bang, you're down 10 zero without even thinking fumble, which comes after a 40 yard run from Dalvin cook. The Colts only <laughs> touchdown. I mean, this is the thing I just, I have to like, like it's almost so it doesn't seem real turnover on downs field goal, turnover on downs. Again, Colts field goal again, punt, punt the <laughs> uh, pick six punt field goal. That's and then the end of the half, the Neil, but like it was, so you know, I obviously follow Reef because he was with zone coverage for a while. I, I know him pretty well, and like, 
sometimes I still don't know if he's kidding. And he's like, he's like, this is just all the luck just reversing at once. <laughs> I was like, do you have a mathematical equation to tell us that's true? Because it seems very, very true. <laughs> um, you know, we were talking about the luck earlier or whatever. Um, but some of this is just their own doing. I mean, I think we can question as much as O'Connell has his merits, certainly as a culture guy, like he's got it down. Um, what's up with fourth downs? What, you know, like with Dalvin cook, I understand it's a weird sequence where he's trying to throw the ball to Munt when he fumbled against Detroit, but like, how do you go off for 40 yards and then fumble the next play? Right. Um, how, you know, I just think you can ask how with a lot of these things and you can say special teams hurt them. Play calling hurt them a little bit. Um, you know, Dalvin Cook, like superstar player, obviously is part of that screen at the end. But you're like, man, how do you build the momentum and kill it right away? Um, yeah, I mean, if they're capable of this, a you're right. Like against the better team, this isn't going to work. But b, it's just like again, this is kind of the razor's edge they're on. And I think you know, you look at the veteran players, like they're acknowledging it. You know what I mean? Like like Patrick Peterson literally said, "We know we're living on the edge." And it's the most obvious statement ever, but it has to be acknowledged in the locker room because it has to be fixed in some capacity. I know it's three games left. I know we feel like we know this team, but that's why these three games matter aside from a rivalry game against, you know, Green Bay would probably be the headliner, but like fix this stuff. Fix your special teams, like, you know, secure the ball, like have a, you know, figure out what you're doing on four, because I don't mind going for fourth and one or whatever, but like find a better way to get that one yard. These are things that you should fix. And I actually think it as much as you don't want the team to be negative, fixate on the first half, fixate on what you did wrong and how you can fix it. Otherwise you can't count on the second half. It's not going to mm-hmm. happen again. It was a historic effort on their half. Yeah, no, you're completely right. Like three games, Against the Giants, so I think me and you both agree, not that good. The Packers, like a scary game, but I think like one against a rivalry on the road where you can look at it as like, let's just like end their season completely and and use that as a springboard. And then obviously the Bears where you almost never play well in Soldier Field. Like three games with the potential to like play well in back-to-back-to-back weeks heading into the postseason feeling good about yourself or is it going to be three games in back-to-back-to-back weeks of like wow they somehow pulled it out again and like what's waiting for them on the other side of the you know mountain it this is their opportunity like they have won the nfc north they have ensured a a playoff game at home in in the first week of the playoffs they technically have an outside chance at the number one seed because jalen hurts might be shut down for a couple of weeks here a few weeks like Regardless of all that, though, like you just want to be feeling good about yourself heading into the playoffs. And to your point, Tom, like this three week stretch is a good opportunity to fix these things, to to be better in 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 the little phases of the game. Obviously, they they they've played well situationally. Um, that's been one of their calling cards this season. But there's been bits and pieces throughout each game for the entire regular season that leaves something to be desired this three-week stretch is an opportunity to fix that. And, and I think it's also, if you lose out, I mean, again, this is like doomsday, right? But you go, okay, you're going to have to play an NFC East team probably in the first round. And like, did you just lose to the Giants and that morale carried over into the next two games? Mm-hmm. I think if you look at them individually, something to improve against a team in that division with that kind of defense. This opportunity kind of come full circle from last year where the Packers kind of put the Vikings out of their misery last year. 
the Vikings can come do this on national television, I, you know, assume uh, in Lambeau. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the mm-hmm. Chicago one is like, beware. And I get that they're not going to have to go like to Washington to play Washington if that ends up being the master matchup, but beware the team that has like an unplayable surface. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like that shouldn't be a thing in the NFL is a billion dollar, you know, industry, <laughs> but like, there's something about like, can you kind of get yourself out of the mud? Because even here, like the game against Chicago in Minneapolis, Mm -hmm. it actually felt kind of like a soldier field game. Once Chicago started coming back and it felt like they were kind of just dragging them down to hell. And I think that's kind of what Chicago will do out there. So, you know, three games with some, some meaning behind them, but the core thing to me is just like, you got to fix these leaks here. I don't, you're not going to fundamentally change the defense. Um, Mm -hmm. At this point, as much as I held out like a modicum of hope, this wasn't a, Something I really, you know, was certain of, but I was like, could Rager start showing us like maybe he could be, you know, like a factor as a receiver that seems out the window, but you can, you can figure out the, you can fix special teams. You can fix, you know, like these little details that really, really matter. Cause the thing with, with the giants is Dayball's a really good coach. And I think the number one takeaway will be how does O'Connell who, who knows the culture side of it certainly is a good coach. If he wasn't like, he couldn't have beaten Belichick, right? Like there, mm-hmm. there's game, even like, even the late sequences, I know we're putting a lot of that on cousins and reasonably so, but that's also play calling from O'Connell, right? He's done a great job in the red zone, but like, does he look out coached against Dayball, who I think is doing something with nothing with that roster. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really think that stuff actually matters a ton. I know it's like any given Sunday and that, that because of how football works, every game has a lot of magnitude, but I think, it's easy now to kind of look forward to like, can Jefferson break the record? Can, you know, can they get the one seed? Do they maintain the two seed or whatever? I think the individual games and the focus of each one is actually really crucial because it'll give us little hints as to, can they avoid a upset in the first round? Can they upset someone in the second round? And I think what is the Herculean task here? Can you string two games together where you're upsetting two teams that, that Vegas will expect to beat the Vikings? For sure. The, the Kevin O'Connell thing is, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because one thing that's impressed me about him this year is like how accountable he is. Like after every game, like I need to be better. Like mm-hmm. I do think you've seen that out of like the new age coaches, like like kind of putting them, not putting themselves on the pedestal. Like yeah, if they're going to criticize their players, they're going to also take blame on themselves. Pretty much the anti Mike Zimmer in that sense. <laughs> like his accountability has been like commendable this year but like i i want to see it put into action because i think he got out coached two weeks ago again by dan campbell in mm-hmm. the loss mm-hmm. Lions. and then i think he, it, for the first time like i think he was out coached in the loss to detroit in detroit but i don't think he like lost control of the game i think he just got too cute at times yeah i think the first half against the indianapolis colts was the first time in kevin o'connell's career albeit 13 games to that point that I saw him panic and it it was the fourth and one decision, you know, to go for it. You're down 17. Yeah. And even like the play call on fourth and one, like Dalvin cook up the middle. Like, I don't like that as is with Austin in there and Garrett Bradbury, not like your starting center is not there. Why run up the middle? But like that whole entire sequence looked chaotic. I remember KJ Osborne motioning, Justin Jefferson motioning into the backfield and then then just handing it off to Dalvin cook who gets stuffed without any sort of push. I didn't like that. Yeah. I also didn't like the next possession when it was a turnover on downs again, again, fourth and one 
yeah. if you're going to go for it there, just freaking go for it. Don't bring on Ryan Wright and have him throw to Jalen Nala. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like, so that was the first, like, you know, it felt like obviously at that point that he, the Vikings were need, in need of a spark. But, like, just go if, – if you really want to spark the team, like, just say, like, oh, look, I believe in the offense. Go get a yard. We're going to go score on this drive. Like, don't do all this other stuff. Like, that was a panic move to me. It was the first time I've seen him, like, panic. And, like, to his credit, calm the team down at half, coached a, a, a great second half, led five touchdown drives, um, you know, calling calling the plays, and, and kind of pulled himself out of that that hole that he dug for himself. But that was a concerning half of football for me. So I want to see improvement from, from Kevin O'Connell too um, over the final three weeks of the season. Yeah. I think part of what you can do if you're accountable, like he is, is that you can go into halftime and go, I, I screwed that up guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And by the way, I think that probably happened in Dallas, right? That's the other time you would think like there's maybe a little bit of panic set in. Um, although yeah. it's different because like at some point, like Mullins was in there or whatever. Right. But like um, you can go in a four day week and go, I screwed up guys did not handle that Dallas game. Well, let's go beat Bill Belichick. Right. And I think that's what the accountability among other things allows you to do. Um, I would like to see him play more straight up. I suppose running in the middle with your backup center kind of is, um, but I don't even really call it like to me, straight up is like not running the goofy play where I'm fine with him having the play in the playbook where he has cooked throughout the month. I, that to me is a, like break glass in case of emergency. Mm-hmm. I suppose with the fake punt, you could say that it just seems to me like sh- show the faith in your guys. And it's not, yeah. I understand like you could be like, just throw to Justin Jefferson on fourth and one, like the team, the other team knows like you got to take him out in that, but like trust Hawkinson, try, you know what I mean? Like even mm-hmm. KJ Osborne and weird as much as like he had the breakout game. Right. But like um, before that, he, he would like, the the Patriots game, like low key, him just snatching the ball away from that guy was like a huge play, right? And he's a guy who, like barely gets any you know any looks because he's he's behind you know Thielen, Hawkinson, and 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 Jefferson. Um, but I just would like to see it a little bit more straight up. Like have some fancy plays, have some fun stuff. I like seeing especially Jeff you know Jeff Justin Jefferson throw the ball. I like you know kind of these um, McVay ask like kind of you're putting guys in motion and just kind of messing with the defense. That's all fun. But I just want to see like a little bit more of that because he emphasizes emphasizes the quieted mind a lot. He like the team will not have a quieted mind if his mind isn't quieted. And I think his mind will be quieted if he goes, yeah, I just trust Hawkinson here. We're throwing to him on fourth and one. Right. And so I just, I think that's so crucial. If you're going to be someone who emphasizes that specifically, he has to enter with a quieted mind kind of at peace that he's giving us one of his best players an opportunity to make a big play. Couldn't have said it better myself. When we come back, we'll talk more about Justin Jefferson. Um, he's going to break the Viking single game or single season receiving record. Um, Randy Moss in 03, I believe um, he's going to do that this weekend, probably in one catch on the first play of the game. Um, but he has a chance to go over 2000, which seemed ridiculous, um, like a ridiculous thing to talk about. Um We'll talk more about what the viability of that is when when we come back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani alongside Tom Schreier. If you like what you're hearing, give us a follow inside purple and gold anywhere you get your podcasts. So that's Apple, that's Spotify, Google podcast, the odyssey app. Like this is an odyssey podcast. So we should probably pub the odyssey yeah. app. Um, Tom, we talked about Detroit. I think we've talked about Indianapolis. We've talked about the first 14 weeks of the season. Um, we've talked about Justin Jefferson pretty much every time me and you have been on this podcast together. Um, but we can't talk about him enough. So before we talk about his record-breaking potential, and eventually he's going to have all the records in, in, in the Vikings yeah. record books. I think that's almost safe to assume at this point. Yesterday was an interesting thing for me because during Kevin O'Connell's press conference on Monday afternoon, kind of seemed to go out of his way to to air out his grievances with the league and opposing teams and he used the Stefan Gilmore hit yeah um, cornerback Indianapolis Colts cornerback still a really good player probably lost a step from when he was in his prime but still a yeah. really good player who Justin Jefferson made look like a really bad player on on, on Saturday yeah he, Kevin O'Connell used Stefan Gilmore's no pun intended launched hit as a launching point into talking because because stefan gilmore left his feet hit justin jefferson with his helmet uppercut basically helmet to helmet um some would argue he should have been ejected from the game yes i don't know um but kevin o'connell used that play to say look the league has to do a better job taking care of justin jefferson like this is happening week in week out we don't think this is a coincidence and whether Kevin O'Connell actually believes that like doesn't matter to me. Like I think yeah. he wants to keep his, his best player healthy. Yeah. Like, that was game from the head coach. That was like working the refs on a, on a Monday saying like, yeah, come on, give us something. It, it, when you see it, like coach K Mike Krzyzewski at Duke was like notorious for like looking like a really good guy and like a heartwarming old man on the surface. And it was just an absolute prick to refs. Yeah, yeah. and it was yeah. he got he got his calls because of it. Yeah, that felt like Kevin O'Connell's way of being like, "You guys have to call this closer." And and I get it, you're taking care of your player, but I also think it was a strategic move on on the head coach's part. Yeah, there are some concerning ones. I mean, obviously, it starts with a helmet. Helmet would be with anyone, but like, you care about his well being as a person. You care about like what this would do to his career if he suffers mm-hmm. concussions this early. Um, yes, sir. Uh, I mean, the other thing is like he fell on his shoulder, I think. And I thought back, I know like all these guys have AC joint injuries, but like shoulders are tricky. I mean, we know this from baseball, right? You can, you can replace like ligaments in your elbow. It mm-hmm. lets the shoulder goes like, you know, and it's, he obviously needs his shoulders to make those, those plays. I think it's, I mean, the truth is he can take a big hit. Like, like there's times where I'm like, I, I don't know how he did that. Like he's not a, 
he's not Hawkins. You know, Hawkins is a ginormous man. Like, like you can see how like he can take a big hit. Not that again, like he'd still get injured on an illegal play, but a, a clean big hit. You're like, yeah, of course, Hawkinson will just like shake it off and mm-hmm. walk back or whatever. With with Jefferson, you know, he pops up and the, he does the first down thing, and I'm like, how are you okay? Like, right, whatever. So it's not again. It's not. I don't think it's him complaining about being hit. I think he can take a hit and knows how to do that. Um, it's kind of the rest of the ground plays you always worry about obviously the, the head snapping back but like landing on a shoulder you're talking about hurts that's kind of you know how he went down yep um this is the thing too that would like derail the potential of i mean i guess potentially the moss one but like the johnson record the 2000 yards and also like football needs these guys they know they need the quarterback so they protect them I, we still know like cousins got trampled in some of these games but like you need the quarterback so you protect them you need Justin Jefferson, just like you need Devonte Adams or you need Tyreek Hill or what? I mean, these are explosive, mm-hmm. big personalities, right? And like, I don't know how, unless you're a Bills fan, I guess. I'm. I don't know how you like watch that. Don't watch that catch and go, dude. I need to see that guy play again. You know what I mean? Exactly. And so the league's got to be careful with this. You know, it's a violent sport, and there's a hundred percent injury rate, but you can reduce the the big ones by calling it correctly. And this is something we focus on the Chan and Sullivan because it affects, you know, the outcome of the game also just sucks for that guy. Um, but like, this is more important than him stepping out of brown bounce. This is like his livelihood and, and our entertainment, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, um, so yes, I, I think as much as O'Connell may be working the refs on a Monday here, he's right to say something within the bounds of, you know, being respectful or whatever to mm-hmm. say, yeah, protect my guy, man. Like, what the hell are the Vikings without Justin Jefferson? Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, he, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's wise for him to, in the manner he did um, explicitly say, Hey, don't let these guys hit Justin Jefferson in the head or throw him on his shoulder. Yeah. Quick tangent, because like you talking about Justin Jefferson, just getting smoked and, and, and standing <laughs> up and, and pointing for the first down, like, the mind games that that plays like is impressive in and of itself. Yes. Like, the fact that he stands up is impressive in and of itself. It made me think of the fact that like Mike white and like, I don't mean to make light of his injury. Mike white, yeah. Jets quarterback got just crushed, like feared yeah. and broke ribs. Like can't play. He's been out for two weeks because like of the internal, the risk of internal injury from like yeah. broken ribs and stuff. Kirk Cousins takes those hits like three times a game and he doesn't, I, I have no idea how that man is, There's, is, is so like his body is so ply or, you know, pliable because yeah. he takes those hits all the time. Mike White took one and like might not play the rest of the season. So yeah, I do. Ability is crazy. No. And even like guys will go in and like break a thumb and you're like, well, dude, how does like, how does like every player not do that? Like when the helmet comes, you know, I mean, I know that there's probably, they've wisened up to it. I know when cousins wasn't playing as well, it was like, he self preserves. He's just, he, you know, he has the Ironman streak because he, he won't step up in the pocket. He's stepping up in the pocket. Yeah. The Washington game. And there was one other one where like Brian O'Neill was just like, I don't know how he's doing this. And I, I, I mean, I was like, yeah, I'm with you. I don't know if it was, sometime after it was the, the jets it was yeah the, the jets, jets game, game. the jets game and crowned and then he got crushed on the jalen rager deep throw and both plays i'm like that would have knocked out a lesser man i think the thing we learned with the kirko change is like he's built you know yeah. i mean like he dude i i I don't know why i thought he was kind of schlubby like yeah, i thought he basically kind of had the sean hill body you know? yeah. <laughs> and like no so i mean you know he obviously like works on that he taught you know he's talked about how 
um it, you know i mean i think all these guys do but he has someone who who works on specific you know parts of his body obviously to heal within the week or whatever um i also think some guys are too proud like he wears this thing that looks like bulletproof or even like a life jacket yeah. like i always wonder if you like throw him in a pool if he just float around <laughs> But uh, I wonder if some of those guys are just too proud because it looks ridiculous. But I'm like, dude, if someone was aiming at my ribs, I would have like, you know, a flak jacket. You know what I mean? Like I'd have yeah. something. Oh, my God. But so I think it's part I, I think it's part his smarts of navigating the field. I think it's part maybe how he protects himself, both with treatment and with padding. Um, also, dude, he like you can hate everything about Kirk Cousins. You can't. He is somehow physically tough enough to withstand this so it, it could be cousins it could be um jefferson i mean like think about what those guys on the line endure right oh, no. the fact that derisaw kept like getting hurt and get i was like i was like dude just leave the game like like what are you doing you're so important to the franchise and you you are very hurt talk about Thielen playing through the knees or whatever you know like i understand you gotta be tough to play football but you're right i mean some of these hits and and it is funny that not funny is the wrong word but it is weird that like you'll see a guy get a chance and you're like Oh, he just is a human, and like you know, he can't be just crushed in his ribs. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And I don't, and I don't know what it is with the the guys who are pros, but I suppose that's one little edge that they find over the their competition. For sure. So we can close the loop on on the Kirk Cousins tangent. I just had to talk about that because yeah, it's been sitting in my mind all week. Like this dude gets punished every week, every and makes year. plays because of it, and, that... and, still, and still plays every game. Yeah, Which... and he almost has to. I mean, when that O line isn't good. Like he's basically just buying a second, right? To yep. to get it. So I don't know. As much as I I kind of was skeptical and still at times I'm skeptical of cousins, he's proven the I can win in in big moments. He's proven the I'll shake off an injury and play through it. Um, and I think he proved something that was important that some of this was coaching. Some of this was he was in a bad organization with Washington and he was with a coach that loves the defense and wasn't very fond of him um when he started out here in Minnesota. So um Again, at some point, you're talking about a 34-year-old guy. I mean, they're going to have to think succession plan. But in the immediate term, he's doing what he asked. He's getting something out of Jefferson. And that's what – trust me, Randy Moss would look at Justin Jefferson's situation and go, think about the guys who threw me the ball, right? Yeah. So, so you know, there's 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 two parts to this. Jefferson doesn't set the record without him. Um, having said that, like, he also doesn't – he sets the record because of the routes and because he somehow is, like, impervious to getting blasted. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? exactly. But, um, I don't know. So, yeah. So Justin, Jeff Justin Jefferson right now, he's at 1,623 receiving yards. He is exactly nine yards away from Randy Moss's franchise record of 1,632 receiving yards. Um, that record is two decades old. Randy Moss set that record in 2003. Justin Jefferson is going to break, you know, knock on wood, as long as he doesn't get hurt, is going to yeah. break that record saturday on christmas eve um he's nine yards away from from becoming the single season franchise record holder for receiving yards in a in, in a year so i i don't think we need to talk about that record because like he's gonna do it like yeah justin jefferson is 364 yards away from calvin johnson's nfl record of 1,964 yards in, in a single season. He is also 377 yards away from going over 2,000 for the for the year, which no yeah. NFL receiver has ever done. Me and Tom did the math. Actually, the calculator did the math. Justin Jefferson has to go basically 125. Average 125 receiving yards for three games to go over 2,000. If he goes over 2,000, 
he will obviously inherently break Calvin Johnson's record too. Can he do it, Tom? Yeah, and I think I think the I mean he's capable. He obviously has to go above his average, but that average is weighed down by a few bad games. Um, I think Dayball is the biggest threat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Both both getting after Cousins, but also maybe scheming him out a little bit. Um, if you can't break the Joe Barry, I, it's not he's not going to have the same game. I don't think he had in week one. But if you can't yeah. break the Joe Barry defense, like. We're going to have to have a conversation here, but, um, and the bears one also pre- presents a threat as in like the Vikings could win and it could be ugly and he could not make the record. I, I think he breaks the Calvin Johnson one. And part of me just thinks he's capable of 2000. Cause I, especially with where these teams are at the end of the season, like the bears, you just have to break their morale kind of early and mm-hmm. he could just kind of walk into it and maybe walk away from, you know, not play out the whole game. I, mean, I think that one could be a disaster if the Vikings play it. Right. But I think this day ball, this game against the the giants is the biggest threat because you have two methods to take him out. You can scheme him out. Or I think what he's going to do is if I can go get cousins, he can't get the ball to Jefferson. So um, this game's going to be really telling here for, if you mm-hmm. can get the John, the Calvin Johnson record in the 2000. I agree with you. The Giants are the best defense. Uh, Brian Dable is the best coach that the Vikings will see the rest of the season. And like inherently, it is the first of the three-game stretch. So if Justin Jefferson gets taken away, um, if he has like a minor game this week, uh, he'll obviously break Randy Moss's record. But it it screws with the averages, right? Like if he doesn't go nuts this week – it's almost like, okay, well, it's going to be really hard for him to, even if he goes nuts for the next two weeks to, to yeah. get over 2000 to catch Calvin. I, I do think something working in, in the Justin Jefferson's favor, as far as just simply breaking this record is like the Vikings Kevin O'Connell hinted at, like, we're going to try and get some people healthy here because we, we we've, we've locked down a, a home playoff game. Yeah. They have something to play for. Like they have the two yeah. seed to play for. Um, I won't bring up the one seed anymore after this because it sounds preposterous, yeah. but they like Philly could lose this week. And then I think you're actually still two games out because they have the tiebreaker. So yeah, through the one seed, uh, the one seed's probably a pipe dream at this point for the Vikings, but like you want the two seed because you want, if, if you win your first playoff game, if San Francisco and Brock Purdy win their first playoff game, you want to host that. Game. You have you to, not, you do not want to go, way. you know, to yeah. San Francisco and play that game. Um, Last time you did have to go to San Clara and play that game, you got smashed. You got absolutely smashed. So the fact that these three games will be games of consequence, um, assuming San Francisco continues to take care of business, I expect them to because their roster is so good. I do expect some regression from Brock Purdy at some point. Um, But I I expect San Francisco to continue to win because they're just so, so talented. Yeah, I think the fact that the three games here – from here on out will be of consequence for the Vikings is another reason. Like, yes, I think he can get Calvin. I yes, I think Justin Jefferson can get yep. 2000 um, because he's going to like, they're going to need to win these games. And if you're the Vikings, you win games on the back of Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a perfect sequence outside of having to play day ball. But um, here's the thing too. Like a lot of people, I think it'd be why maybe the giants won less, but the other two games, right? And Justin Jefferson tends to be at his best when mm-hmm. when the lights are on. So I don't doubt Justin Jefferson. I think I doubt about everything else I've seen this year, but Justin Jefferson, I think, is the real deal. For sure. All right. That's all we got today on this Tuesday. We went a little long, but we, we took three days we to record this. <laughs> yeah. So I, I will be back 
on Thursday, actually recording on Wednesday, but the, the episode will drop on Thursday um, with someone from the New York Giants podcast. We'll talk all about Saturday's game. And then me and Tom will come at you Christmas Eve. Um, Tom will be there. I will not. I'm in Hawaii right now. <laughs> so nice. I will not be in Minneapolis um, braving the bitter cold to cover that game on Christmas Eve. But me and Tom will be back to talk about it Christmas Eve. If you want to listen to it at your Christmas Day party, um, flip on Inside Purple and go with the fam. Um, talk about what will inevitably be an insane Vikings game against the New York Giants. But until then, for Tom Schreier, I'm Dane Mizutani. Thanks for listening. We're out. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 